Sports. Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. Well, how about it, Zach? Another win for the Packers that produces some insane stats, and I want to get to that here in a little bit. But now the Packers enter week 15 of the NFL season as the number one seed. They control that thing now. I think actually the Saints are going to have a real hard time getting it back from the Packers now. And you kind of wrote about how Aaron Rodgers and company, they've been waiting for this moment, right? They've been building for like a decade. They've been waiting to be that number one seed to control home field through the playoffs. They have a shot to lock it up now. You've got to love their chances. What do you think about that? Yeah, this was a really important week for the Packers. You know, obviously beating the Lions wasn't too big of a deal. But, yeah, they win the NFC North, clinch a playoff spot. You know, they get the big help from the Eagles. Now they're the top spot in the NFC. So, yeah, it's a big deal. They they definitely have an opportunity these last three games to, you know, get that week off and have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And really, anytime Aaron Rodgers has ever asked about playoff seeding, he always brings up that he's played four NFC title games not one of them in Green Bay. So I think he's desperate to play, you know, a, a game to go to the Super Bowl in Green Bay. Nah, it's pretty sweet. There's no doubt about it. It's pretty sweet. They control their own destiny. And how about that? You just mentioned it. Who saw the Saints losing to that Eagles team, right? Yeah. I mean, my gosh. That was crazy. Yeah. I mean, what was it like kind of watching that play out? And you're, you're covering the Packers game, but that thing's kind of playing out on the side. The, the Saints are down 17 nothing at half. You can kind of see it all kind all of right. coming together for Green Bay. Yeah, it all kind of came together because the Vikings lost in that early slot and the Packers kind of had a comfortable win against the Lions. And then, yeah, you're you're watching. I'm, I'm typing up stuff about them winning the NFC North <laughs> as, the, as the Saints are losing. So, yeah, it was just a great week for the Packers. I mean, I, I, I wasn't sure if the Saints we, – we talked about it last week. I wasn't sure if the Saints were going to have a loss in them over those last four games, but, you know, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles came up came up big for him. Oh, looked like a different team with Jalen Hurts. That was that was yeah. unbelievable. And now the Saints got to deal with the freaking Chiefs, and they don't know yep. if they're going to have Breeze back, and this could get real comfortable for the Packers. Could be getting into a mode where they're resting people against the Bears. I don't know. They're never going to want to rest people against the Bears, though. It's always fun for Green Bay to knock out those Bears, even if they're out of it. Right. Uh, but as we stand now, Packers, 52% chance of getting the one seed. It actually feels even better than that when you really yeah. think about it. But I mentioned that this has been a season of Packers stats, right? It's like it's almost like we could have a st- we can't have a stat of the week. We have to have stats of the week right now <laughs> with the Packers because there's all these just ridiculous numbers keep coming up every week. And you've been tweeting about them. And I just wrote a bunch of your tweets down because it seems like you're always tweeting some ridiculous stat. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love that. But I want to start with MVS, right? Six targets, six catches, 85 yards, a ridiculous 14.2 average, right? And the nice touchdown. And, and his long was only 21 yards, which makes me feel like it didn't all come on one play. He was consistently right. getting these big chunk plays for uh, for the Packers. And it was because the Lions tried to kind of shade their coverage at, uh, over on Devontae's side. Yeah. How did that work out for him? Not so well. But it makes you feel like MVS has been quiet for a couple weeks. He had that really tough game where he had the, you know, the fumble that helped the Packers mm-hmm. lose the game to the Colts, right? I mean, that's one that kind of sticks out. But it's kind of nice to see him bounce back, and Rodgers really looked to him when the defense wanted the shade to Devontae's side, as you were right. tweeting about. Rodgers and the Packers made them pay for that. They really burned him. What did you see kind of watching that game back and maybe breaking it down on that side of it? 
Yeah, I think it was it was a really big spot for MVS, and he came through because the Lions were consistently shading hell pretty much all game to Devontae's side. And, you know, really after that long touchdown the first series, they, they handled him pretty well overall the rest of the way. So, you know, the Packers really needed MVS to step up and, you know, make some plays against single coverage, and I think he did that. You know, Lions were playing off him a bunch to protect against some big plays, and he did what he really has never done, and he kind of sliced him up underneath. Um, you know, he's always been the big play guy, big play threat, you know, elite speed down the field, but he's never really been a consistent pass catcher in that, you know, 10 to 20 yard range. So he caught all six passes in that range on Sunday. I think it was super encouraging. Um, you know, he's still a roller coaster of a player, so I'm a little hesitant sure. to say he's turned a corner, but, right. you know, still really encouraging. You know, I, I think a lot of defenses are probably going to play the Packers this way, you know. Sh- shading help on Devonte and you know making somebody else try and beat him so I, I think if if mbs somehow becomes more consistent and can you know really produce in that intermediate uh area it, it really changes the equation for the packers so you know one of my favorite packers this year has been big bob big bob tongan right and he's just mm-hmm. he's killing it and i want to run through some stats that you've been tweeting about zach and i want to know which you're, i'm going to make you pick which one's your favorite because all these stats are kind oh, of no. they're all ridiculous so the Big Bob one, I'm obsessed with. I think this is this is awesome. But it might not be my favorite because some of the other ones coming up here are really ridiculous too. But he's got 52 targets, 46 receptions. That just shows how efficient he is when Rodgers throws it his right. way, right? That's that's crazy. Yeah. But he's got nine touchdowns. So the stat here that you got to point out, Big Bob, more touchdowns than incompletions when Rodgers is targeting him, which is – that's crazy for a tight end, right? I mean, that's insane. Now, tight ends are usually making contested catches, but – Right. Big Bob tends to be open when Rodgers throws in the ball. So that's that's the first one. Big Bob, more touchdowns than incompletions this year when he's been targeted. That's ridiculous. Here's number two. The Packers, they might be able to become the fourth team in NFL history to have more passing touchdowns than punts. We talked about J.K. Scott uh, last week a little bit, had some fun about him trying to tackle people. That's that's uh, never something <laughs> we want to watch again, J.K. Right. But Rodgers has 39 touchdown passes to J.K. Scott's 38 punts this season. <laughs> that is some good stuff. And I know yeah. all your followers on Twitter were like really loving that stat when you put it out there. And then I think just another one to do with Rodgers that just kind of – that's just kind of him – since his loss at Tampa Bay, so that just that clunker, right, when the Buccaneers just right. destroyed the Packers, Rodgers is 198 for 274, 2,311 yards, 26 touchdowns, which is eight more than any other quarterback during that span, and only two interceptions. He's basically playing the best football of his life over the last eight right. weeks, and those numbers are really eye-popping when you put them out there like that. So those are three kind of ridiculous Packers stats. I'm sure there's more in your notebook, Zach. <laughs> Which one's your favorite? I am going to go with the touchdown passes to punts stat because – That is kind of cool. I, yeah, I think it just – it really explains just how great they've been on offense all year. And it, it ties in where they've been great, and it, which is – in all these different situations. I think, you know, that's probably the best part of what they've done all year. You know, they haven't punted or kicked many field goals because they just, you know, they've been so good on third down. They're, they're second and third down percentage, first and red zone percentage. And when you can do that, you, you can you can string these drives together, you know, keep the ball, you know. They're just extending drives, getting scoring opportunities and converting. I, the, the big Bob – the big Bob stat is great because, like you said, you know, tight ends can be a little inefficient sometimes in the sure. passing game, yeah. especially for a lot of teams. But, you know, he's just taking advantage of every opportunity. You know, I, I think that's a big credit to him. He's he's on pace to be the first uh, Packers tight end with 10 touchdown catches. And let's see here. 
almost 25 years. So that that's pretty impressive. And obviously Rogers has been on a tear these last eight games. They've kind of, they played an easier schedule, I'd say over these eight games, but man, he's just been so consistent. You know, he's thrown uh, multiple touchdown passes and had a pass rating over a hundred and, 12 of 13 games that that actually might be my favorite stat of the year that he's been that consistent he's just you know playing great every single week so i think that's a big part of why he's gonna probably the front runner for mvp right now oh there's no question about it especially after mahomes yeah. was chucking interceptions to the dolphins last week yeah. and i think rogers definitely i think he was already ahead zach but rogers yeah. is definitely he's taking a big stride ahead I think he's the MVP. I don't think there's any question about it. And he passes the eye test when you watch the games. But then you have this great skill, Zach, to just put stats out there and just lay them out in a way that just makes you, like, spit out your coffee and be like, holy crap. That's like – so it, it, maybe it's the team, but uh, you're, you're pretty good at it as well. So what could we possibly nitpick? You know, like I said, the Packers are so good. They're putting up all these numbers. Everything's rolling. we got to nitpick something. I, I had to dig around a little bit, Zach. I had to go through, like, the play-by-play. I went through the whole chart, like, watch the highlights, try to figure out everything. I did find one thing I want to nitpick. So we got to give the Packers crap about one thing each week because they're rolling. Let's do that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. It's week 15 of the fantasy football season, and if you're listening, that likely means you have advanced in the fantasy football playoffs. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to help you with some strong plays to get you into the championship round. This one may make gamers uncomfortable, but Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals, is a strong play. In the last seven weeks, five different quarterbacks have at least 22 fantasy points against Arizona, and three of those efforts were good for at least 26 fantasy points. The two bad games came from Cam Newton and Daniel Jones. Hurts, a rookie, made his NFL debut as a starter last week, and he acquitted himself well enough. His major upside comes from his legs, but the game wasn't too big for him in last week's debut. That said, he's best to use in two quarterback setups. Running back Jeff Wilson Jr. at the Dallas Cowboys. The 49ers may be without Raheem Mostert once again with another ankle injury, and Wilson is the likeliest place to turn for the offense that is struggling for a spark after poor quarterback play and the loss of Debo Samuel. Only Houston has allowed more rushing yards per game in 2020, and the position has scored 13 times on the ground versus Dallas. Wilson may struggle to matter without finding the end zone, so understand there is a little bit of a gamble here. Wide receiver Keelan Cole of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore has given up four touchdowns in his past three outings, and the positional defense has been relatively soft in that time. It ranks 39% easier to exploit than the league average, and nine receivers have at least 10 PPR points against the Ravens in the last four games. Don't be scared off by the name brand of the matchup. Cole benefits from having Gardner Minshew back in the lineup and offers utility as a wide receiver three or a flex in PPR set. Herb Smith Jr., the Minnesota Vikings versus the Chicago Bears. Prior to missing a few games with various injuries, Smith has flashed a few times, going for 10 points or more in three of the four appearances before getting hurt. He returned in week 11, only to get injured for two more weeks. Then he came back for a line of 4-63-1 against Tampa Bay last week. The Bears are the second weakest defense in the last five weeks at controlling tight ends, and if Kyle Rudolph sits one more time, Smith is a strong play for a touchdown in this divisional matchup. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, Zach, as I said, the Packers, it's tough to nitpick sometimes, and uh, we made fun of the special teams last week. 
that's one that's kind of a go-to, but I'm going to leave the special teams alone because there was no really glaring things on that side of the ball, I think, this time. And we got a 57-yard field goal, so we can't really – you can't really – you can't give crap to the special teams this time. The Packers yep. were literally 3-for-3 three three in the red zone. They basically converted every single third down, right? 8-for-11 on third down. What the hell am I going to nitpick? Well, I'm going on the defensive side of the football. What was up with all the defensive holdings? Now, there's 12 penalties, which is not a good number. So, too many penalties. And a lot of them were of the five-yard automatic first down variety. I remember one on a first and 20 in the first half, which is probably the stupidest thing you could ever do, right? It's to commit an automatic first down penalty on a first and 20. But there was – and there was one drive where they literally had a defensive holding like – three or four times it felt like there was like every other play was a defensive holding the lions score a touchdown why were the lions in this game why didn't the packers blow them out i never felt like the packers were going to lose but the lions hung around because of the penalties and because of these ticky tack ones on the defensive side they got to clean that up my nitpick of the week is the packers defense holding like all night long what do you think about that yeah that's a good pick it it, uh it did get a little hot on hand there for a second you know, that one drive, they, they really had an opportunity there to, to get a stop and, you know, kind of blow out the Lions. That's the way it was trending there to start the second half. But, yeah. you know, then they, then they have, like you said, three holding penalties, five penalties overall. So, you know, they pretty much handed them a touchdown there, kept them in the game. That really was the only reason it probably wasn't a, a two-score win. But I, I will say the Packers haven't been penalized very heavily this year. And it is worth noting that officiating crew from Sunday was – the same exact crew that penalized them a bunch in Minnesota, the Minnesota game, uh, I think last month. So maybe it was more of a, you know, a crew, a stingy crew type thing. But, you know, we are at a point in the season where everything the Packers do has to be viewed in the prism of their upcoming playoff run. And, you know, you you have 12 penalties in a playoff game and you're probably going to lose to a good team. So no doubt, you know, these these are things that stack up and can really turn a playoff, a, a playoff game on its head. So, yeah, I think overall, I, my nitpick would be my fear is the Packers are so reliant on an elite offense that shows up every week and scores a bunch of points. Yep, it covers it covers up some of these warts that we. I mean, they they seem like little things in the moment when we're talking about our nitpicks every week, but they are warts that 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 pop up and. I'm worried that it it won't take much of a hiccup on offense for things that go off the rails in the playoffs. That is my big worry. Um, The offense has been so good. They've covered up a lot, but you know, they've had to overcome some of these issues that maybe they won't be able to come to playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I know like the Colts game was a great game. You're not going to be surprised. You know, the Vikings game wasn't a huge surprise. I mean, that's a tough division game, but the one that stands out is that bucks loss and what happened. Rodgers threw a pick six. He hadn't thrown an interception mm-hmm. in forever. He throws this pick six. Everyone's shell-shocked. The offense can't get it going after that. They, they can't figure it yeah. out. And it was, they, they looked like one of the worst teams in football that day. Like, they looked completely clueless. And that's what we're talking and, about, right, Zach? Like, right. if that piece isn't going, is it, is it, it just going to go off the rails, right? And that's, I think that is a legit fear going into the playoffs. There's, there's no doubt. Yeah. That, that really is the only game that they haven't played well on offense. And, yeah, like you said, they got blown up by 28 points. So we really don't have 
a good test of, you know, when the offense kind of struggles a little bit and, you know, how the rest of the team responds. So, you know, that is a big worry for me. You, you don't want that offense. It, it reminds me a little bit of 2011 because they had this, this monster offense that just rolled through everyone. And then they had a little adversity on offense in the playoffs and they kind of crumbled. So um, that, that is the worry for me. Yeah. 2011, that, that year keeps coming up, right? That's, that's just yeah. the year that we keep uh, comparing There's, to. There's a lot of parallels between between this year and that year, so hopefully the for the Packers it'll end a little differently. The good news for the Packers is the the Buccaneers. That was, I think, their best game of the year. They haven't looked that good since. Yeah. So, it's, so just like the Packers, it's an anomaly for the Packers. It might have been an anomaly for the Bucks too. But we'll see. Right. Maybe they'll meet again. That could be a fun matchup down the road. We'll see. First, the Packers get to play on Saturday night. I want to get Zach's feelings on the. It start you start to feel like. You're getting to the end when you start playing these Saturday mm-hmm. night games around Christmas. The Packers get right. one here against the Panthers at home. Let's talk about that. We'll do it coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 15 Monday Night Football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers come in as 12-point favorites on the road, minus 110 odds to win by at least 13 points. Jeff, how does Cincinnati and the Bengals cover this 12-point spread at home? Well, Pittsburgh is very one-dimensional right now. Their running game has fallen off the cliff, and even their wide receivers have been dropping balls. So give me the double digits at home with a division opponent. Also, this could be a quintessential look-ahead spot for Pittsburgh, who's got Indy and Cleveland coming up. They've had tough games leading into this. Steelers, well-coached team with Mike Tomlin, lost two games in a row. They need to get back on track. No better spot to do it than against the Bengals team. They beat 36-10 to 10 in Week 10. Give me the Steelers, minus 12. They win by two scores. Zach, I'm just looking at this game against the Panthers with a, you know, a rookie head coach in Matt Rule. I think he's got a lot of young guys on defense going up against this juggernaut Packers offense that's rolling. Man, it's. I feel like I'm going to go into this one having a hard time finding my nitpick of the week for uh, for next week's show. I really do. I mean, I just love the matchup on paper. But, man, the Panthers coming over to Lambeau Field in December on a Saturday night around Christmas, like, that's kind of a tough spot for them, right? I mean, what do you th- what's, your, yeah. like, what's your thought about this matchup? It feels like it sets up good for the Packers. Now, that's sometimes in the NFL that could mean it could be an ugly game. You never know. But, uh, man, it, on paper at least – feels like a good spot for the Packers to keep going. Yeah, I wonder if it, there's a, a little bit of a letdown opportunity here after, you know, you, you win the division and yep. now you're the number one seed and you're feeling pretty good. But, you know, these December games at Lambeau Field, these, these are the ones they got to win. They've won them consistently over the years. I think, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like the Panthers are going to have Christian McCaffrey, which is a, a pretty big deal. He could have you know, really presented the Packers with some big problems. But, you know, the Panthers do have some some weapons on offense. I think that wide receiver trio with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, that's a pretty good one. I think Teddy Bridgewater has played really well in some spots. I I remember watching him in that game against Kansas City maybe last month, and he was just great. He was making big throws, had a couple big runs. You know, he nearly upset the Chiefs in Kansas City that day. So I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for that defense, but – 
you know, like you said, I think the Packers have a, a big advantage when they have the ball. That, that Panthers defense hasn't covered very well this year. They just gave up, I think, four touchdowns to Drew Locke last week. So. <laughs> I'm glad you said I was going to bring that up. I'm not a big yeah, Drew Locke fan. I, no, no, and that that's pretty incredible. He threw four touchdowns against that defense. Yeah, it looked like so, Joe Montana I, out there, <laughs> right? I I think the Panthers will probably score some some points this week, but it's hard not to like the Packers. That they they've scored thirty or more in four straight games. I imagine they'll do it for a fifth time and and win another game on Saturday. Yeah, the Panthers are so young on D that it just it like I said, it almost feels like Matt rules like it's an extension yeah. of college. It just is, and they're just not ready. I don't think they're ready for this team. They have a couple nice pieces. I think Brian Burns is. A, a really good edge rusher and you know Jeremy Chin's made some some big plays lately but yeah they they don't have a whole lot they don't have a lot of coverage people you know Burns is really their only pass rusher so it's hard not to like the Packers you know throwing all over that secondary and probably scoring a lot of points I love it now and I like. I mean, it is a huge bummer that we won't be able to see Christian McCaffrey. Just a really tough year for mm-hmm. him. Like one of the best young right. players in the whole league, and that guy just can't catch a break this year. It does feel like a mismatch, Zach. But is there anything like what? What specifically do you want to see? Like what? Are you, you know, you talked about avoiding a letdown. Like what's one thing that you just want to see the Packers take care of? You know, at home in this ball game against a Panthers team that really shouldn't be on the field with them. Yeah, I want to see them start fast, especially because they haven't always started fast at home with no fans. I think that's going to be important, especially if they're going to be playing um, home games during the playoffs. I really want to see the pass rush, actually. Uh, You know, it's been very hit or miss. I think, you know, the Panthers have a little bit of some weak spots on that offensive line. And Teddy Bridgewater hasn't played very well when he's been under pressure. So that'll be the two things I I want to see. I want to see them start fast, get a lead then unleash those pass rushers against the the Panthers passing game. All right. The fanboy in me is ready for some Saturday night football. I can't wait. (laughs) Uh, That's Zach Cruz. Follow him on the Packers wire. We'll be back to talk to you all next week. Thanks for joining us. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle podcast inside the weekly line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren and the Bet Slippin' podcast. We'll see you again next week.